Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of The Infertile Diagnosis. I'm your host, Monica Cox, along with Sarah Clark, and we're here to support, inspire, and educate those who are all consumed with the label of infertility. We totally know how you're feeling. Both Sarah and I were diagnosed with a form of infertility before we hit our 30s. We let the fertility experts dictate our past and ignored what our bodies were trying to tell us for far too long. So here we are, helping you take control of your infertile diagnosis. So we have covered um, kind of the basics of who we are where we came from, and the beginning of our trying to conceive journeys. So the infertile diagnosis is all about inspiring you to become your, in, your own hero and not get hung up on your diagnosis like we did for so many years. So we wanted to explore, if you didn't have a diagnosis, would you accepted your fate? So if I didn't have premature, if I didn't know it was premature and very failure, and, and so, yeah, what, what do you mean by that? Like what I have. So if you didn't know you had that, you know, that someone told you, you can't use your own eggs, mm-hmm. what would you have done differently? Do you think, because obviously you just went straight to donor egg, did IVF, and that was the end of your story. And I know this is probably really hard to answer in hindsight because your life is played out and it's a beautiful life, but I always wonder, and I think a lot of people like we did just we get so hung up on the diagnosis and we feel like we have no control over it okay so i had so the diagnosis is not there but i still can't i don't know what the so the diagnosis is not there but it's not working yeah so what i have yeah where would you have gone like what would you have done at that time do you think because you're a planner so where a whole whole lot of shit yeah (laughs) like i would have gone so if it wasn't working i probably would have if i didn't have the diagnosis the pof and I was like, oh, okay. So I would obviously still think I could have my children naturally. I'm 28. Like, why well, wouldn't have gone to, to to accept a donor egg? So I would have dug deeper into making my own eggs work. Yep. And like, look, looking at my, I, I do think I would have looked at my own health because I, I'm, you know, my, I came from this really healthy family. Um, would I have eventually have? Yeah, I don't know how long it would have taken me to find the fact that, you know, the food and the mindset and, you know, functional medicine wasn't even called that back then. Would I have, you know, where would I have gone? I might have gone right to, would I have gone right to adoption? I, I don't know. I would have gone somewhere. I would have had a child. So I, it was going to happen. So I would have, yeah. So my point is, is that we get hung up on what people tell us, right? Mm-hmm. And that yeah. our diagnosis, for some reason, we get into our brain that it's set in stone. Yeah, totally. And I think a lot of people get misled down this path of infertility. I feel very fortunate that I had an unexplained infertility because I didn't get hung up. I just went wherever I could. The, you know, the world was my oyster of infertility. Um, and that's the only reason I got to the point of diet lifestyle because 
I wasn't hung up on, okay, I have PCOS, so therefore it's going to be really hard for me to have kids. You know, you get that into your head, right? I have endometriosis, you know, it's not curable, so I can't do anything about it. So I'm just going to go down this route or like yourself, you know, not having And for you, you didn't have anyone around you going, well, why didn't you try this? Or why didn't you try that? It was literally, here's your diagnosis. This is where you're going to go. And we do it. Mm -hmm. Off I marched. Right. And I just wonder if there's, and I'm sure there is, if not hundreds of thousands of women, like we were, you know, like you were, and then like I was for a while, just following that beat of like, okay, this is my this is my fate. And so I'm just gonna go and take it. And this is my life and I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Blind, blindly follow that and not, not being able to look at it with a different in a new light. Yeah. And just like, I was so laser focused on over here that I didn't see, I didn't connect any of these dots. I didn't see that there was any other possibilities. Um, you know, luckily for me, it worked, but it may not have. Like if, if there's, and there's people I speak with on a regular basis that it hasn't, they have gone down donor eggs and that hasn't worked. They have tried with, you know, POF to have naturally, and it hasn't worked. And, and then there's other things going on in their body. So yeah, I think that the, the hindsight, the hindsight piece to know what I would have done back then, it's really, um, it's an interesting question, right? Cause it's time to be able to, to see, I, I don't know if I was, if I would have, because I still thought some of the stuff was woo woo and yeah. nutty because my mom went and did it and I was still making fun of her for being vegan. So I was kind of like, oh no, I would eat my Chef D. So I'm like, not that I was eating that a lot, but Joey Louie's and that kind of stuff. And I don't think like it's when you're to be, it's to be very open. I'm, I consider myself very open-minded. So um, I think to be able to look at this and look at functional medicine, you need to be open-minded. If you don't think it's going to work, it won't work because you won't do the work. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's, I mean, my key point there is just, um, and this is what the whole podcast is. It's just, do not get hung up on what someone says you cannot do or that you have and think that you can't be your own hero, that you can't do things to improve your situation. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying if you do X, Y, and Z, you're going to get pregnant because that's just, we know that life doesn't work that way but really taking your life, your diagnosis and making it your own and making it your own journey and not looking back like we do and go, okay, I probably didn't have to do A, B, and C. You know, I could have taken other avenues and that could have led to other things. Um, so yeah, and it's just, um, you know, I think we've done a really good job of coming to terms with our life and um, what we thought it was going to be right? Because I think that's what infertility um, does to everyone. You think you're going to have, get married, have kids, and you're going to have a normal life. And then the infertility, no matter which way your journey ends, it, it rocks you. It, it makes you a different person because you do start looking at life a little bit different and you have come to terms because you have to let go of those childhood dreams yeah, where you think you're, you know, I wanted to have my children at 28. I luckily I was able to have, you know, my daughter at 31, but I had this, you know, this plan. And, you know, the the whole planning thing is silly because it's like I, I'm I'm naturally a planner, but now I can plan and let go of the outcome. Yeah. Because, 
but but then it's sort of I I had to control things and have it go my way and um, yeah it's it is kind of being able to to surrender and accept and and when you're on this journey and kind of trying to figure out you know what's what's going to happen with yeah with like you have a plan for your life and was the plan for my life at when I was 12 that I was going to have my kids with donor eggs <laughs> hell no like why it's still actually kind of like shocking that that's what I did and um and now and I was very open about it I've written a book about it like very open about it because people would say to me well are you going to tell your kids and I'm like like my mom was a adopted she didn't why didn't you tell me? yeah oh sarah i should have known not yeah a, no not that this is adoption or we kind of oh uh, yeah the kids are home and they're streaming the tv and it's totally messing with my internet hi welcome back so sorry for the um cutoff and that was the end of our session so we are just picking up a week later and Sarah was talking about um, being really open and honest with your uh, situation and how you um, did donor egg and why it was important to be really honest with your kids and the people around you. Yeah, so really, so my my mom was adopted and she didn't tell us that she was adopted till, till I was 12. And I remember thinking, I was shocked. Like it was shocking to me that she hadn't told me. And I wasn't even the one that was adopted because I didn't understand the big secrecy because this was back in the forties where no one even told anyone that, you know, they were, they were adopted. You know, my mom was told that she was adopted, but for some reason she kept it from us. So I, not that having a donor, having kids with donor eggs is the same as a, being adopted because it's not, but I just wanted to be very open and honest about with, you know, with my kids because I felt it was their their history and really had nothing to do with me. And it would be selfish for me not to, tell them so i've always told them it's been part of the narrative from the beginning as early as i could maybe like probably like four or five when you kind of got into those books of you know where do i come from and i'm like mommy had to borrow eggs for another lady because her eggs weren't working and so as we've gone along they've always known and um you know one of my one of my kids wanted to to see the the um the history the genetic history um, the other was not interested. So I have it on a piece of paper because it came in the mailbox, right? So I have it on a piece of paper, the uh, maternal and the paternal um, uh, histories from, of, of the grandparents, back to the grandparents. But um, it's just been part of the conversation. I've obviously I've written a book about it and been very open about it. So it's, although my, my, my son has been running around school telling, not running around, but telling people at school that he's adopted because he goes, it's just too confusing to talk about the donor egg thing. I'm just telling people I'm adopted and I'm from Ohio. Meanwhile, he's from, he's from Toronto, but uh, yeah, so <laughs> you no, know, it's too confusing to go into all that stuff. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would imagine that most kids on the playground, that's not what you're talking about or yeah. even, you know, IVF or anything like that. I mean, I mean, it's more talked about nowadays, I suppose. But um, I remember one of my friends, she got pregnant um, at 47, actually. And I didn't even think about asking her any kind of, you know, prodding questions about how she got pregnant because she's the same age as my mom. So it was a very weird thing to me because, you know, I was, I think, 25 not even thinking about kids and many years later she told me 
that she was an IVF baby. And I was like, oh, okay. Still didn't know what IVF was. And then many years later, when she was ready to tell her daughter and to tell other people that she was a donor egg. So yeah, it's um, most people just don't know, right? I think many people listening to this know because you have to know. These are the things you start investigating and looking into. Um, I know that part of my journey, I started looking into surrogacy because I just didn't think I could carry my child. You know, you spend almost five years not thinking, well, not ever getting pregnant. So I'm not even thinking it. It's not happening. So you start investigating these things and it does open a whole like Pandora's box of to a whole different world, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the surrogacy. I c- did connect with a lady who was a surrogate, and she had she had um, helped. She had two sets of twins as for as as a surrogate, and then um, a single uh, child. So like three pregnancies, but five babies. Plus, she had, I think she had five of her own kids, and she was in her thirties, like so super young. But she just felt called to become a surrogate, and her story was like so inspiring. And she'd help. There was um, a same-sex couple, men, and they had twins, but I think they were each from each other's, so I guess they must have been fraternal, so each other, each other's sperm. I don't know how they, I don't know how that would have worked, but, um, and then I think the other was a um, heterosexual couple, another one was a heterosexual couple, but um, I've also interviewed someone from my podcast who she, she was um, a surrogate, and, and since she had two daughters, and um, went, I think she said three children through surrogacy. So it's, it's just like, that is like so amazing. Someone to, to do that to yeah. give the gift of life to someone else is insane. Yeah. Um, obviously in our society now we've got Kim Kardashian doing her, you know, the surrogate for her two little kids there. Um, I don't know. I just think it's, if, if, that's where you need to go, then that's an option, which we're lucky. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, expensive it's an expensive option. Yeah. And it's different in every country. Um, I, um, it's funny, like looking back when we were going to do IVF and I know, you know, a lot about this. Um, there was a chance to like cut your, your um, bills in half to share your eggs and I always thought, yeah, that'd be, I would do that. I would totally help someone out and give them my eggs. Um, unfortunately for us, I didn't have many eggs to give, so that was never an option. And there was a part of me that would have loved to be a surrogate. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, obviously with all of our issues, how long our journey was, that was never an, an, an option. It's not an option now, but um, it is an amazing thing to one donate your eggs and to become a surrogate because um, I don't think people, I think like adoption, people don't realize like what a big impact that is on yourself and then on the person that is receiving those, you know, if you're the eggs or, you know, the surrogacy or, you know, an adoptive child, it's, um, it's a very emotional thing for everyone involved. And you know, a lot of people talk about these that like a little bit willy nilly, like, you know, we get just adopt all the time, don't we? Where it's so much more than that. And, um, you know, those people who aren't living in that life just are just completely naive and fair enough to them. They are. Why would you think about that stuff if you didn't have to, right? Yeah, I, I definitely thought of adoption. Like when I was told it was donor eggs, I remember looking 
you know, looking at web at websites for for international adoption and um, adoptions in Canada, adoptions in the U.S. And you know, obviously there was we didn't actually end up going down that route and getting because um, that's a whole other procedure years of of getting qualified to 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 do that. But um, yeah, I, I I looked at those options and with with the donor egg thing, yeah, it and all of these these things, it doesn't necessarily in the very beginning, the whole magnitude of it, but it is impacting, you know, your life and then your children. Look at my son, like trying to explain, mm -hmm. oh, I'm up for my donor egg, you know, you know, cause everyone's like, how come your mom's six foot? And my son is like barely five, two and he's 14, but you know, he'll, he will eventually grow cause his donor is five, seven, but people, he's getting all these call these, these questions. And he's like, just cause I'm adopted. So, um, yeah, it is interesting. It affects a lot of things, but I think just being open about it and if you can kind of have a sense of humor about it. Mm -hmm. And for me around the donor egg thing, you know, I expected to get, you know, when they're teenagers, you're not my mom and blah, blah, blah. Who are you? And I didn't take that personally. So when yeah. I got it, it's like, oh, okay, good. I must be doing a good job as a mom because they're giving me grief. So right. <laughs> other people like me, that may cut them to the quick, you know, middle and really impact them. Um, it didn't for me, but because I've just been very open about it with, with our kids, but mm -hmm. I think everyone's different though, how they, what's going to feel right for them. If they want to tell their children who they want to tell, um, you gotta, you gotta do what feels right for you. Right. And to be honest, I think all kids at some point, I'm, I'm positive. I was figuring out how I was adopted. <laughs> like you just get pissed off at your parents no matter you know what they are your kid is always going to tell you at some point they hate you <laughs> oh, of course. I'm like I must be doing a good job they say exactly they hate <laughs> and that's just redefining motherhood isn't it you know um motherhood nowadays is not what it was in the 50s thank god for you know for some of us who don't want to wear an apron and be in the kitchen and um you know motherhood is com a completely kettle different kettle of fish nowadays and i think that's important to start redefining that for yourself um so if you are going you know if you thought motherhood was a certain way your whole entire life and then you get to this stage of infertility you know, no matter what your outcome is, I think motherhood is going to be redefined for you anyways, you know, because it's such a long struggle. And I know for me, um, it was redefined that I am such a better mom because of my struggles and what I went through. Yeah, you work out your own, you work out your own shit kind of during the struggle and like your triggers and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So you then you can be able to, you know, know to take care of yourself to then take care of others especially the people that I coach now, I really teach them to like mother themselves so then they can mother someone else. So myself, when I was going through this, I was just kind of in this weird state of really blissful ignorance and naivete because then it actually worked for me, but so I didn't get slapped in the face. Yeah. Which a lot of people, you know, they go in kind of naive and then it doesn't work and then you become, then it's sort of like reality slaps you in the face. But I, I was one of the fortunate ones where, where it worked. But it, it is, um, yeah, letting go of how you see that, like the path, your journey of what it's going to look like. And as a planner, and I coach a lot of like type A mm -hmm. planner kind of people, um, it is to, to be able to let go of that. You can still have a plan, but not, it, it usually works out differently than what you anticipate.
Yeah, exactly. It seems like there's a lot of type A people in the infertility world. I know, like the researchers and the, and yeah, I was, list, I was, um, did an interview with it, Bettina Gordon. She's the author of um, Later Motherhood. And she had interviewed um, Dr. Uh, Christiane Northrup. And she was saying the higher up the MBA education, you know, where you are on like your career, the higher up you are, the sort of the greater struggle you have because you've become so stuck in that left brain thinking and you've disconnected from your intuition and the feeling piece is sometimes forgotten. So it's an interesting um, uh, observation I thought she'd made there. Yeah, that is. And considering a lot of women um, are older, you know, um, going through this. So there is a lot of being stuck in your ways, isn't there? Um, and I think you hit the nail on the hammer, the nail on the hammer, the nail on the, hammer on the nail, um, <laughs> with, uh, now I've lost my train of thought. Nail on the <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just working out your own shit, like you said. Um, a lot of us, I know if I would have got pregnant at 27, you know, I just wouldn't have realized how messed up in my own head that I was, and I would have put that on my kids, you know, and just recycled the generations of, you know, just little things. Like I had a great childhood. I love my parents. Um, but yeah, there's just little things that they didn't, you know, realize that they were doing. And I was bringing that on into my adulthood. And yeah, I guess it gave me time to sort my shit out. And I think that's one thing that's super annoying. I know people find it really hard to start connecting with themselves and, being positive and grateful and, you know, changing your mindset during the journey now, because whether you have kids or you don't have kids, you're going to have to deal with that stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, I always think you got a little bit of time on your hands, <laughs> you know, start doing the work. Um, and, you know, we were, yeah, the possibility of not becoming a mom is real when you're going through infertility. And not that I know that I hyper-focused on that. And, you know, my language was very negative because I was guarding myself. And I was always like, well, kids aren't the end of the world. You know, we'll have a, you know, a life without them, which I do believe that we would have had a happy life without them as well. Um, but I remember conversations, let's say like three years into my journey with friends and family. And then about five years into my journey, I started saying things when we have kids, you know, and not that that made me get pregnant or made it a reality, but I think it just shifted my mindset into, okay, no matter what the outcome is, I'm going to be okay. And it's okay to speak this way, to speak positively about what I want from life. Just kind of th during that that time where you're so what you're saying again <laughs> <laughs> i had a cough and i had to mute it uh, um just uh what was i saying um about when i started talking more positively about the outcome so like three like three years into my journey i remember having conversations with friends saying um you know they would ask are you going to have kids soon because my husband and I were married almost eight years by that point. And I would be like, ah, you know, who knows? Like, I don't know if kids are right for us, you know, and I was guarding myself because I didn't want to get my hopes up. I didn't want them to 
know at the time, I suppose, that I was dealing with infertility. Um, but about two years later, after my first failed IVF, and right before I started my second IVF, I started to change the way I answered people. And um, I kept saying, or I started to say, when we have kids or when it works out, and I mean, still at that point, I was still unexplained. I still had never gotten a pre positive pregnancy test. And not that me starting to speak that way got me pregnant, but it started to help me shift my mindset into all the poss possibilities that might happen, the possibility of getting pregnant, not getting pregnant, adopting, egg donation, you know, all those things. I started to open my mind and let those things come in. Yeah, there is a thing where that, that guarding of your, you know, guarding yourself and protecting yourself. And I remember saying, you know, if this didn't work out, I was going to take a trip around the world or, you know, I was going to quit my job or, um, you know, we would adopt or like, so I always vision myself as a mother. Um, but yeah, like I wanted it so badly, obviously for, for, because we were just doing donor eggs, I wanted that to work. And, but there is that protection thing that to really go all in. And that's when people have a lot of hard time with the visualizing and reframing, because if they go all in, what happens if I'm like broken wide open and then I'm like lying like a, a puddle on the floor, like how will I continue if it doesn't work? Whereas being able to see it though, help helps then the, the hormones and the cortisol in your body to actually then help it work. And if it, if it doesn't work because you've worked through all this stuff, instead of pushing it down, because you're still thinking about it, mm -hmm. people say to me, oh, you're, you know, if I focus more on my, on my, on my fertility, you know, I'm going to become obsessed with it. Well, you already are obsessed with it, but you just haven't talked to anyone about it. And you're yeah. just thinking about it on a loop all day long. So this way, actually giving voice to it, talking about it, visualizing it, seeing it happen it's, it's, it's reframing the whole experience. So it's not this like struggle, it's the journey and there's the beginning, middle and end. And maybe I like the quote from, uh, from uh, Robin Sharma, who's like in, in the beginning, it's, it's messy. It's on the beginning, it's hard. The middle is messy and the gorge and the end is gorgeous. So you could be stuck in the messy middle. Yeah. And you don't know how long it's going to be, <laughs> but you have to, well, yeah, you have to just keep going and um like you say yeah it's just not going to protect you from the bad being kind of that negative pushing it down you know if if the outcome is not going to be what you want it's still going to be the outcome no matter what what you're saying to yourself and like you say like you are thinking about it all you're saying you know they always say like most people would be put in the loony asylum if they broadcast their thoughts and so it's just retraining your brain to just be more optimistic and positive about it because I know it's hard to see and understand so um my so I was doing this and one of the huge things that helped me was the five minute journal and you don't see it why it's happening. You know, it's just so minute, but I have the hindsight and I look back and I got pregnant for the first time off of uh, our first frozen embryo. But when we went to the scan, there was no heartbeat. And I remember feeling obviously very sad and disappointed, but it wasn't earth shattering like I thought it would be. And 
that's all down to me doing, I think it was about six months of just retraining my brain. I mean, of course I cried. Of course we were sad. We were disappointed, all those things, but it just wasn't the end of the world. Like I thought it was going to be. So yeah, that's just a little tangent off. (laughs) Yeah. You strengthened your resilience, like being coping skills and those, yeah, that five minute journal is awesome. Or it's just like, what am I grateful for? And sometimes I do the little, the little app they have for that. And I'm like, I I just look back. I'm like, wow, I'm grateful for the sunshine a lot. (laughs) Sun. And I'm a positive person. So, but I'm like the first thing that I'm like, oh, grateful for the fact that I get to meditate, the sunshine and my dog. Um, And it doesn't need to be some big, big things, but then you're looking for the good because we look for the, we're programmed to focus on the bad. You can have this beautiful day where everything, everyone said you look fabulous, you know, everything went well. Then one person makes one comment or one, something goes wrong. And it's all you think about, oh my goodness, we're like programmed to focus on the negative. And yeah. with this journey, because there's, there can be so it's a roller coaster of emotions. We, we just get fixated on that. And then, and then we kind of go down the rabbit hole. And next thing you know, we're, you know, it's like, we all go down but do you go down for, you know, minutes, hours, weeks, months, right? Years? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. just saw a post on Instagram from um, a lady and I, you know, my heart went out for her because obviously you feel super left out from your family and your friends when you don't have kids, especially if you are getting older and everyone is, you know, achieving and you feel like you're not achieving. And then if you're not doing treatment, so say if you're on the IVF cycle or IUI cycle, um, you don't have anything to post on Instagram. So she was feeling left out from everywhere, I suppose. And um, like you say, you just get so hyper-focused on fertility and infertility where I'm sure if she started shifting and finding groups that she could be part of, at the moment, or even just being a part of her family and her friends, kids. I know that's what I did. Um, yeah. I mean, everyone had kids before me, some three, <laughs> but uh, you know, I became the auntie and just started really enjoying my time with them and um, you know, being grateful that I was the one who you know, got to sleep in the next day, or we got to travel on a whim's notice. And, you know, just started really focusing on everything that I had good in my life. Um, And that made the journey so much easier, because I still had, what, three, three years before I had my son. Um, So it um, would have just been a really long, miserable time if I didn't find that mind shift and it was key to get me through the infertility um get me through my pregnancies which um, i think a lot of people just think i'll get pregnant and everything will be fine and then the hyper worry starts um and it's insane and that's for another episode later but um so yeah So I think that's us for today. Um, Thank you very much for joining us. And I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast and we'll see you next week. A few more things before you go. If you like what we're doing, please leave a review and or a rating. We would greatly appreciate it and it would totally help us out. Also, if you'd like to connect with either of us, you can find me, Monica, over at mymindfulme.com. And you can connect with Sarah over on fabfertile.com. 
all the links you need to find us on our websites or social media, any products we talk about, book, special offers, or any guests that we have on, you're going to find all that information in the show notes. So that's it. Thank you once again for being with us here on the Infertile Diagnosis and have a beautiful day.